Welcome to the Shannon Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. We are fresh off a bye week. I am joined, as always, by Akash. Akash, how did you spend the bye weeks on Sunday? What's up, KP? Uh, I think the person that was the most excited about bye week was my girlfriend because she was like, we finally get to do something else on a Sunday that's not 49ers related. But so just hanging out took you know three or four days off of football not watching anything you know not doing anything football related for three or four days to reset and it felt like the bye week came at a good time for the 49ers right they're like eight games through it's kind of midway through the season like last year was really early on so you didn't really feel it but it's kind of it was kind of nice to have a break how did you spend your bye week yeah it's always good to get away and just as you said so, so some teams, like, they have it uh, week four. Other teams, they have it in, like, week 12 or whatever. You, it's the 49ers, about as even as you could possibly get. Yeah, I tried to step away, too. So just, you know, try to try to see what the outside world looks like. Give that a change. Uh, give that a chance for a change. But it was cool. So I guess in the 49ers sense, they got to see some NFC West battles. So the Rams look like they are done for. And that's probably a good sign. Knowing that that is the one team who did not just obviously not against the 49ers since they own them, but in the landscape of the NFC. So it looks like they're done. And then the Cardinals Green and the Seahawks. Seattle doesn't look like they're going anywhere. That was as lucky of a win as it gets. They had a couple of interceptions bounce off the Cardinals' hands, but still were able to take advantage. The Cardinals were not. And that's what good teams do, I think. So. Um, I think Seattle's going to be around here. They have a tough one coming up. I believe Tampa Bay early in the morning. In Germany. Yeah, going across the pond there. So if they don't lose that game, then ooh-wee, the NFC West title is going to be tough for the 49ers to get at. So we're going to talk about the 49ers Week 10 matchup against the Chargers at home, fresh off a of bye. But before we get there, we're going to talk about some of the winners and losers from the first half of the season. Four and four. I don't know that many people would have predicted that. I would imagine it would have been closer to um, a five or a six win at the very least. But nobody would have also predicted Trey Lance would have got hurt. Nobody would have predicted Christian McCaffrey would be a 49er. So as always, the Niners make life interesting in the football realm. So with that in mind, speaking of McCaffrey, I'm going to use that as my first winner. So Christian McCaffrey's situation. So he went from an offense where – He was the only guy, in my opinion, and teams went out of their way to stop him. And I know people will bring up somebody like DJ Moore, who's a fine player, but I think if he was as good as others, he probably would have gotten moved at the deadline. I know some might consider him a rebuilding piece, but I just don't see him in the same light as some other premier wide receivers. So I'm I'm not, when I look at, when I think of how other teams would try to stop the Carolina Panthers, it was pretty much all McCaffrey. So knowing that, I struggled to see Moore's value. I thought that the first game McCaffrey had against the Rams was almost more impressive than this last game he played with the 49ers against the Rams just because everybody was around him. So now in this last game, you got to see what he can bring to the table. And I imagine that's just scratching the surface. So the first real winner is Christian McCaffrey's situation because I'm not going to say three touchdowns is his floor, but you can pretty easily see how he'd be successful every game in that type of manner. Akash, who was your first winner of the first half of the season? I think Jordan Elliott may have wrote a piece on this for Niners Nation, uh, so go check that out. But I think it's Chris Forster. 
and the job that he's done with the offensive line. It felt like we, you know, coming into the season, we almost were questioning his ability to develop prospects. Um, similar to how Chris Kacerik is able to get so much out of his defensive line. And, you know, you look at the interior of the offensive line, Aaron Banks has really come on, right? We wondered, you know, are the 49ers just forcing him there? You know, are they regretting that pick? And through half, you know, midway through the season, he looks fantastic next to Trent Williams. And then Jake Brendel obviously being thrown in at center. And then a sixth round rookie in Spencer Burford at right guard, um, who's also been able to start, you know, uh, through eight games. So just the work he's done to develop those guys and to build, you know, a cohesive unit, I'd say he's, he's a first half winner for me. Yeah, that's a great one. He deserves a ton of credit for what he's done. So three new starters and you would have no idea when you watch this team. I think that's probably one of the biggest compliments you can give uh, an offensive line coach. I'm going to go to the defense side of the ball and I'm going to go to an individual player, uh, Charles Menehue, 25 year old, he played last year and it was sparingly he played, you know, as the season went along more and more, just because he was freshly acquired from the Texans this year, he's playing a prominent role. So he is one of the snap leaders um, along the defensive line. I think he's just been outstanding. I mean, when you look at how he plays, when you look at some of his numbers, he's setting himself up in a contract year to get paid much like Arden key did last year. So his win percentage numbers, like you would think he's one of the premier pass rushers in the league because all of his numbers, like his win percentage, according to PFF, is 22.4%. Nick Bosa, one of the leaders for defensive player of the year, is 24%. And that just kind of gives you an idea of how well Charles Aminihu is rushing the passer. He plays inside, he plays outside, so he has that versatility that you want, um, athletic. I think he's setting himself up again, as I said, just to – Really get paid this offseason. Hopefully, the 49ers bring him back. Okay, Akash, your second winner. I think on the defensive side of the ball, Mooney Ward would be the second winner. And not just him. Just, I think, John Lynch in the front office picking Mooney Ward in free agency earlier this season, right? Because they had the opportunity to go get Stephon Gilmore on a short deal or J.C. Jackson at a higher number. And of those guys, it feels like, Lee Ward is probably playing the best. So I'd say he's the second winner. You know, he on that Chiefs team wasn't one of their better known players. So coming here, a lot of people wondered why the 49ers went out and signed signed him. And it feels like through eight games, he's been fantastic. One of the best run defenders as well at corner. So I'd say he's my second winner. Yeah, I mean, they signed him and he's been everything that you could have asked for. So Hopefully he stays healthy during the second half of the season because I feel like they are going to need him. All right, uh, last one on the winner's side. I mean, you could go a bunch of different ways here. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo probably deserves some mention with the way that he's played down the stretch. You could go down the line on several defenders, but I think it's just brand new. Just, we're seeing him come out of his shell. We're seeing him be a number one wide receiver on this episode. Last week you said – uh, you reeled off a bunch of stats. Just how Ayuk is since about the middle of the season, week four, week five, he's kind of taken off, and he's in the top four in a lot of receiving categories since then. Obviously, not anymore since the 49ers didn't play last week. But I imagine if we're looking at things from the second half and on, just his production will be exactly what you asked for in, in a for, in a receiver that you traded up for in the first round. So I think people are starting to finally realize how talented he is. And it helps when you go through him 
offensively. So Brandon Ayuk is my final winner. Akash, who is yours? A little out of left field, but I'm going to say the 49ers scouting department because we talk about the top half of the roster and all the stars and all the big money guys, but they've got key contributors at pivotal positions who are just late round picks, right? Defensively, Talano Ufanga, fifth round pick starting at safety, uh, Diamador Lenore, you know, day three pick from the, you know, last year who started out at nickel corner, then is now, you know, an outside corner. And we'll see with Jason Verrett coming back. We'll see if he pushes back inside, but basically been a starter. And then on the offensive line, just like we talked about earlier, Aaron Banks, second round pick, boom, you have a starter, Spencer Burford, sixth round pick starter. And so they've done a good job at quote unquote, balancing the spreadsheet, right? They've hit on so many of these late round picks thanks to a good scouting department that some of the other misses uh, earlier in the draft don't feel as bad. So I'd say uh, props to the scouting department. Yeah. They, I mean, they deserve a ton of credit. Just, I mean, Charles Manihu is a great example because they, the pro scouting department, it matters as well. So I'm going to, so let's move on. All right. To the losers and the, People that have somewhat disappointed, I guess, is what you'd call it. So I'm going to start with an obvious one. The running backs, not named Christian McCaffrey. So the 49ers don't go out and trade everything that they needed to trade if they're not struggling to run the ball. So they are below average um, in rushing DVOA, and to be specific, 23rd. When you look at their metrics on the ground, they, across the board, are below average. That can happen in a Kyle Shanahan offense. This this offense is predicated to run the ball. That's how they're built. That's how they're designed. That's how they build their passing game off of. So I think when you look at some of the running backs on the roster, so obviously Elijah Mitchell did not make it. I believe he didn't even make it out of the second quarter in the first um, in the That's first right. of the season. So six carries, and that was that. Obviously, Jeff Wilson was traded away, but between Jeff Wilson – Tevin Coleman, Jordan Mason, Ty Davis Price, excuse me, they all didn't do enough for Kyle Shannon to feel like he could win with them right away. And I think by moving in training for McCaffrey, that kind of tells us that's accurate. So, I mean, it has to be the non-McCaffrey running backs for me. So we'll we'll see if they, if less is more by, you know, having, if McCaffrey has 15 to 20 carries and they make the most of their leftover rushes, we'll see. But I, I'm not getting my hopes, but I would imagine we see more and more volume from McCaffrey as the season goes along. Your first loser. Just back to McCaffrey for a second. It's good that you bring that up because pre-Christian McCaffrey, they were 25th in rushing uh, offense DVOA. And since they got Christian McCaffrey, small sample size, just two games, but they're 13th. So you already see the impact he's bringing to the ground game. And uh, yeah, we'll just see if that number improves because you're right. The other running backs just haven't been as impressive. So uh, my my loser uh, in the first half of the season would be Jimmy Ward's free agency. Oof. Right, He is in the final year of his contract. And coming into the season, he was voted you know, a captain, a top 100 NFL player, and there were a ton of expectations for him to just, you know, be one of the better starting safeties in the NFL and, you know, earn another contract with this team elsewhere, whatever. But just, you know, tough luck, but obviously had the injury uh, early on, missed, uh, you know, a few games to start the season. Then he comes back and because of where the 49ers were injury wise defensively, 
uh, he had to, you know, play nickel corner instead of safety full time, which isn't necessarily his best position. You know, he mentioned that uh, he struggled that first game in that spot. And so now you're like halfway through the season and you're like, man, he hasn't really gotten any time at safety uh, to show what he can do next to Talano Hufunga. So you got to feel for his uh, chances to earn another big contract. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to have a hell of a second half, like get some insane type of ball production and just make some splashy plays um, if he wants people to forget how these first few games have gone since he's uh, since Warriors came off the injured list. Okay, my next one is going to be the 49ers training staff, strength and conditioning coach program, Shanahan's practice style, whatever you want to lump it in, but it has to be injury-related. So NFL's the Fox NFL tweeted out a graphic heading into this week. It was on Sunday morning, I believe, that uh, the 49ers were the seventh most injured team uh, of 2022, and that's no real surprise. So I mentioned Elijah Mitchell, and, I mean, Ty Davis-Price was hurt. They've had several people hurt. Obviously, Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw are going to be the two ones you remember. Trent Williams had a high ankle sprain. You just go down the list. This guy was probably hurt. This starter was hurt. Remember, they played a football game without their starting defensive line. How many other teams have done that? I don't know what they're doing, but something has to change. And I remember Kwaski Tart, he was on uh, with Vish a few weeks back, and he was talking about the difference in practice style between the 49ers and the Eagles. And he was just talking about how they let you take care of your body. So maybe Shanahan is just too much wear and tear not only in training camp, but maybe during the weeks in practice. I don't know. Something has to ha- um, something has to change because the injuries are racking up. And you would hope, obviously, that these guys are able to come back healthy during the second half of the season at some point. But the fact that you have to rely on that just tells you, once again, that something is off. So um, something about the injury staff for me. Where are you going? I'm going with kind of along the lines of injuries, but Trey Lance's development. I mean, that was what <laughs> – 2022 was supposed to be about and honestly sometimes i forget because we're you know basically seven weeks removed from that injury and we've talked about a gajillion different things between jimmy garoppolo and christian mccaffrey and everything in between and so it almost makes you forget that trey lance was the starter coming into the season but just his development i was on with jason aponte uh earlier and we were talking about Justin Fields' development and how it feels like the last two, three, four games, he just looks a little bit more comfortable and it feels like he's making things happen. And with Trey Lance, maybe around this time, if he had stayed healthy and continued on that trajectory, maybe we'd be talking about him in a similar light of like, hey man, he's taking some steps the last couple games. Like the 49ers passing offense looks better or whatever. Yeah, I mean, whenever the Bears are playing, you will get a billion questions like the, either the 49ers drafted the wrong quarterback or why didn't Chan, what did Shanahan not see in Justin Fields? Um, there's, there's always some sort of uh, you should have chosen the other quarterback when another quarterback as well. Okay. I am going to go and I'm going to stick with first round pick. I mean, it, it has to be Javon Kinlaw, right? So as a rookie, he plays 14 games and he's battling through injuries. Like he, he missed two games, but he was battling injuries all season. It felt like, you thought that he would be able to play through that. You thought because he was able to do so as a rookie 
that maybe the further you got away from those injuries, they wouldn't be as nagging. And maybe in 2021, he takes another step. He's able to develop as a pass rusher. You see flashes whenever he's on the field, even in training camp, and he lasts four games. And that's all we get. We don't see Javon Kinlaw after week five this this year. Okay, he's healthy. He was at the he was in the training facilities mm-hmm. the entire offseason. You would think that would again further away from injury. He's able to stay healthier. He gets shut down in week three. And now, like, or we're just whole kind of holding our breath, crossing our fingers. Hoping that Javon Kinlaw is going to come back. Shannon seems a little unsure whether that's going to happen. Obviously, he's optimistic, but he's not practicing. He hasn't practiced. It feels like since he went down, and that was back in September. So, I mean, this is probably it for Javon Kinlaw, I would imagine. I don't know if that's if he doesn't come back this year, then it's definitely it. But even if he does, like, can you count on him moving forward? He's under contract for another year, so you don't have to make that type of decision but i mean his fifth year option i i wouldn't pick that up at this point so it's just been disappointing that kinlaw hasn't been able to stay on the field because there's no doubt that he's talented but i mean if, if you're not on the field you can't you're not bringing much to the table i agree with you i was also going to say javon kinlaw uh and it's unfortunate it's not his fault by any means but he just you know has the degenerate arthritic uh arthritis filled knee and so it is what it is but it sucks for him that three years into his career he's only contributed so much and like you mentioned the fifth year option coming around for the 49ers i don't think they'll pick that up so yeah just just unfortunate for the 49ers and kinlaw when you're six six and 315 pounds you generally don't your knees generally don't get better so um obviously you hope that's wrong you hope that this is a one-off situation where he just finds a way to stay healthy because he, he does bring a different dynamic to this team, especially as a run defender. But it, it's going to have to be one of those prove-it type of things for Ken Law. Okay, that will do it for the winners and losers. We're going to take a quick break. Once we come back, we will just talk about Week 10's matchup against the Chargers. Welcome back. All right, the 49ers uh, return to the football field. So they did not practice on Tuesday. They did, however... Practice on Monday. Had a light walkthrough. Debo Samuel practice. Kyle Uzcheck practice. No Eric Armstead still, but essentially everybody else. Uh, Juwan Jennings was on the field. Reported Aziz Alshire was Aziz Alshire, who they did open the practice window for. They also opened the practice window for Elijah Mitchell and Jason Brett practice as well. So that is a laundry list of contributors. Contributors. We will see how many are able to play, but there's no doubt the 49ers will be healthier this time around, and some of the guys who were banged up, like Mooney Ward was banged up against the Chiefs. Having the week off is going to help them heal. So you would imagine the 49ers feel a much healthier team. Let's talk about the matchup, though. So Chargers just played the Falcons. They beat the Falcons. But anybody who kind of kept an eye on that game, uh, the Chargers were struggling most of the game. They were probably fortunate to come away with that one. If Marcus Mariota doesn't miss Kyle Pitts down the field, the Falcons win that game. That's not how football works. You can do the what if game um, with every game that goes on every Sunday. So what do you think we will see from the 49ers? They are currently seven point favorites, which is their second largest spread of the season. Second to week two matchup against the Seahawks. But that is an indication that Vegas expects the 49ers to win big. Do you agree with that assumption? I do agree with that assumption. And 
let's look at it from a couple different standpoints. First, the injury standpoint. 49ers coming off a bye. They get all those guys that you just listed on both sides of the ball. And we're not just talking like depth pieces or backups. We're talking about legitimate starters at different positions coming back from injury. Uh, and some of the guys that were banged up and playing also getting healthier. So that's on the Niners side. And then on the Chargers side, they likely won't have Mike Williams starting wide receiver. Keenan Allen is day-to-day, but I don't think he's going to play. So he's the other wide receiver. Uh, defensively, no Joey Bosa. Um, we talked about it before we hit record, but Austin Johnson, one of their interior defenders, uh, who's been good against the run this season, out for the season. Um, and JC Jackson, the free agent corner that they signed this offseason, he's out, so he's not playing. And so when you look at the injury situation on you know on both sides, that favors the Niners. And then just the matchup, and we'll get into this here, but the Niners offense against the Chargers defense, massive mismatch. Um, and it favors the 49ers style of football. So I think when you combine all those things, you see a seven point line um, and we'll hit on why we think the Niners will cover, or at least I think they'll cover. Saying that the 49ers are the favorable team when talking about injuries is pretty wild. That, that might be the last time <laughs> we're able to say that. So that's true. That's accurate. That graphic that I mentioned that Fox tweeted out, the 49ers are the seventh most injured team. The Chargers are the first, and I mean, you just hit on why they're missing. Uh, they're all pro edge rusher, they're all pro cornerback. They signed this offseason, yeah. I mean, one of the best young left tackles in Rashawn Slater, and then it's it's tough to move the ball without two receivers, so that favors the 49ers defense. The one thing that kills this team are mobile quarterbacks, and I mean, great quarterbacks kill any team, but mobile quarterbacks and a receiver who can kind of just do anything and everything that number one guy. And, since the Chargers won't have that, I think that that's kind of baked into this this line. But the real reason is the Chargers run defense. I mean, they are pretty bad. And you mentioned losing Bosa and their defensive tackle. That's not going to help. Their drive stats are all below average across the board. They're 21st in yards per drive, 27th in points per drive. So teams are moving the ball and scoring. That is the most basic way to describe the charge defense. And then they're also 20th in lines, uh, sorry, line of scrimmage. So that's just where you start from. And I mentioned like the injuries, they just, they have no chance of stopping the run. And I was watching the Falcons game. And by the way, people keep bringing, when people are referencing this Falcons game, and I told the cost this beforehand, like they are really good rushing offense. So that's Arthur Smith, the former head coach from the Tennessee Titans, and obviously everybody knows the success that they had with Derrick Henry. That's kind of carried over to the Falcons. Uh, I believe that Atlanta is fourth in rushing DVOA. So, again, that is an above-average offense. But everybody's had success against the Chargers. That has been the case for just about every team they've played. I think when you just look at the matchup and, that, and why it works, and why it will work for Kyle Shanahan, so everybody knows the motion that he uses. That's going to get the Chargers in a bind but they, for the most part, they only have, like, you can set them up where there's only one linebacker. So we're going to see a lot of one-on-ones with a linebacker who wears a number in the 40s against Christian McCaffrey. You take your pick on who you choose for that one. So I think, especially off a of bye, we're going to see some wrinkles with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey in the backfield as well. That's going to be fun to watch. And yeah, I, know, I know you have some rushing stats just based on whether it's Nick Chubb 
or honestly any running back that has gone against this defense, reel those off so people can kind of get an idea of how that unit has struggled. Absolutely. In the last six weeks, here's what the Chargers have given up on the ground. 36 carries, 151 yards. 14 carries, 131. 13 carries, 213. 23 carries, 98. That was against Denver. Uh, And then 34 carries, 213. 35 carries, 201. So they've given up three games of 200 rushing yards in the last six weeks. I mean, they've been historically bad uh, in this stretch. They're giving up 5.7 yards per carry, which is the second worst in NFL history um, up until this point. Uh, Not only that, they're also missing tackles, um, you know, at an extremely high rate. I think I saw Lombardi say this. They're 31st in yards after contact per attempt. So not only are they getting run on, they're missing tackles and, you know, opponents are gaining yards after contact, which should play right into the 49ers hands. Um, So, and then, you know, talking about missed tackles, linebacker Drew Tranquil, I think he had four or five missed tackles against the Falcons this past week. I think he's one of the league leaders among linebackers. He had a rough game last week, so. I think he wears like 48 or 49. So imagine Kyle Shanahan finding a way to expose him this week. And then we talked about just the other injured players along the defensive line, Bosa, you know, uh, one of their interior defenders. So all that put together, they're just not very good against the run right now. I think they're, you know, bottom three in EPA per play, success rate, DVOA, all that stuff. And I just expect the 49ers to have some success. They haven't been great running the ball, but I think this is kind of a get right spot. Uh, and I see Christian McCaffrey having a big game. The The defense is also 31st in uh, DVOA against opponent opposing running backs in the pass game. So I think they're giving up like 30 to 35 passing yards to running backs, uh, which is in you know among the highest in the NFL. So I expect McCaffrey to have a big game uh, receiving the ball too. No, I think that's a really good point just because – you can build an entire game plan around getting McCaffrey the ball. And that does, that doesn't mean you just have to limit that to handing him the ball out of the backfield. So they are, the Chargers are 31st in rushing EPA per play, as you mentioned, that just tells you all those missed tackles that those are leading to big plays. So again, McCaffrey one-on-one like that is going to be the recipe for success. But again, as you mentioned, this rushing attack, like they haven't been Great, and they've been a lot better since they've gotten McCaffrey 11th, I believe, in rushing EPA per play. But the offensive line, you, I think the hope is the more that they're playing together, the more that they begin to gel. Aaron Banks has taken a step in the right direction. He has been very fun to watch develop. Hopefully you see that that is the case for Spencer Burford as well, especially after a bye week. And then Mike McGlinchey and Trent Williams, they, they get healthier as well. So all of that will play a factor. The passing game has not been a struggle, and that might surprise a lot of people. Like When you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers, they look good. When you watch him play, he's starting to make the right decisions. I think it, it comes down to him pushing the ball down the field. The more he pushes the ball down the field, the more that's going to open up things for McCaffrey underneath. So it's really the best of all worlds in the passing game, and once the rushing offense kind of complements them, they're going to be tough to stop. So this Chargers defense is probably the unit to get on track. Let's go to the other side of the ball. We talked about their injuries to the wide receivers. They still have a very good quarterback, one of the best in the business, Justin Herbert. I don't know if his numbers necessarily will reflect that, but when you watch that Falcons game last week, he was the only reason that they won. Like, there were penalties. like The team kept shooting themselves in the foot. 
and he was still able to overcome that. Again, that was a passive Falcons defense that weren't bringing much pressure, and like they're down in the secondary too due to injuries, so they didn't have their best out there. Still, the Chargers were able to move the ball. What do you foresee happening this time around? Because again, the way that the number is lined up on Vegas would suggest the Chargers will not have much success on offense. I agree with that. And I, I saw, I forgot who said it, but Fred Warner broke down the pre-practice huddle on Monday before their walkthrough. And he said, let's go on a second half run. Oh, uh, ESPN's Nick Wagner. I, I, want to I say. think Nick Wagner said that. I think you're right. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Fred Warren just wasn't playing well. It felt like he was trying to overcompensate for all these injuries. But the second half of that Rams game, he really came on. You called him, you know, the MVP of the first half. And I think he understands the importance. And I feel like they kind of carry on his persona. So I feel like they're going to have a bounce back type effort. They're going to keep the momentum from the Rams game going. And I think they're going to have success against Herbert. I think they're going to be able to get pressure. They're going to have a healthier Nick Bosa, you know, a couple of weeks removed from that groin injury. They're, the rest of their defensive line outside of Eric Armstead is healthy. And uh, I think D'Amico Ryan is going to have a good game plan. He has a couple of weeks to plan for this game. And I expect them to have some success. Yeah. I mean, when you think of this defense, people are quick to point out what Mahomes did and what like some of the success the Falcons were able to have, but over the course of the season, 49ers are seventh in yards per drive. They're sixth in points per drive allowed, and they're tenth in drive success rate. So they are an elite unit still, and that is with all the injuries that you know about and know where about. So again, the hope would be in the second half there are healthy defensive tackles out there. There is a healthy secondary, so teams aren't able to take advantage. And if that happens, this team has a chance to be complete. Okay, let's make a score prediction before we get out of here. So I want to say seven-point favorite with a 46-and-a-half total. So Vegas is projecting a 49ers victory, 27-20 to 20 or ish, right around there. What do you think? What, what is your prediction, and who is the reason the 49ers win? I am going to go – 24-17 49ers, I think I think the under will hit, but I think the 49ers offense is going to be good. I think their defense is going to come out. I think Justin Herbert is so good and so transcendent, they're going to be able to score on a couple of these drives, but I think 49ers defense largely are going to have success. Offensively, I think it's going to be a big ground game. We talked about it. Chargers run defense among the worst uh, in the NFL and whatever statistical category you use. I think it's a big Christian McCaffrey game. I think if Elijah Mitchell plays, I think he's going to get some run and look good as well. Um, maybe Jordan Mason <laughs> will get a few carries in there, but I think they're going to have a ton of success on the ground. I think 23 is going to be the reason that the 49ers win by a touchdown. Yeah, it's tough to argue that. I mean, what he can do, and not just like in the open field one-on-one, but how Christian McCaffrey can manipulate angles of other defenders – like it's, I really haven't seen another running back do that. And that's just in two games. So again, the more he plays, the more I think people are going to be able to appreciate the trade and why the 49ers went out and got him. But I, I agree. I don't, I don't see the, uh, I don't see the Chargers scoring more than like 17. And I know that's like, if you just look at some of their recent scores, like they were able to put up 23, but that was against the Seahawks. And part of that was just in a, a comeback mode. I think they stalled a lot in the second half. I think it's going to be closer to what you said. I would imagine 
24-14, something along those lines where the 49ers probably have go through spurts of scoring and then they might stall. But I, I, I imagine them having their way on the ground, and that just means a lower scoring game as well. So, yeah, 24-14 for me. I, I don't want to piggyback off the McCaffrey. So, I mean, we, we might see what, like a George Kittle or a Brian Ayuk touch like a couple touchdowns, but it's it's tough to go against McCaffrey knowing <laughs> how the Chargers are against the run and how they struggle just completing checkdowns. So that's going to be easy for Jim Garoppolo to get the ball out of his hands. Let, let my playmakers do the work. That's what good quarterbacks do. So that's what, I, that's what I'm expecting. But that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you for listening. Please rate, subscribe, review at least five stars wherever it is that you get your podcast. A Sunday night football matchup on deck. And hopefully we're back next week with another 49ers victory. Follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. Akash, where can we find you? Follow me on Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Appreciate everyone listening. Niners Nation Podcast Network. Go subscribe, rate, review. Now, as always, go Niners.